0: Uh, This morning at prayer meeting, which I do want to invite all of us to at uh, 8.30 every Sunday morning, um, I think it was Celia, who was it, mom, can't remember, about the coming as children before the Lord. Both of you pointed at each other. It must have been been the Lord. Um, Just a reminder from God uh, for us to be like children when we come and receive from Him. Uh, We can become very intellectual about the things of God, and it's not that we need to check our brains out at the door, Uh, but God is wanting to be our Father, and that means that we need to come to Him like children in trust and to receive from Him what He has to give us. Uh, Sometimes we read these truths in the Word, and they're actually pretty simple. We just don't want to receive it. It's like, no, that must be for somebody else, or I'm not ready to receive that, or whatever, whatever excuse we have. And I really do feel that this morning God is wanting us to come to Him, to receive like children. Um, and the, the sense that I have from God this morning is that He actually wants to comfort us today. Um, as you know me, I'm the tender warrior, and so uh, we are a people who get on with things of the Lord, and He has, calls us to great plans and to great visions, to great futures. But there are also times when God actually wants to stop, deal with us, and comfort us, uh, to get us ready and to move us on to what he has for the future and really a sense as we've been going through a series on emotionally healthy spirituality which is coming to an end um, as well as psalms uh, just want to read out of psalm 77 today psalm 77 um, and really get a sense of what god is wanting to say to us and so i want to ask you to receive the psalm today as a child don't overintellectualize this thing let's receive it as a child so let's commit ourselves and our hearts to god So, Heavenly Father, as we open up your word, which we are so desperate for today, uh, we ask that we would receive this word as children who come to receive food from their Father. Lord, we know that you give generously to all who ask, and so we come to ask you this morning to feed us with your word. Lord, you are the great comforter, and so would you comfort us this morning? We know you have great plans, we know that you want us to make disciples, and you want us to be made into disciples. But that requires us coming to a place of also understanding ourselves, that we may understand you more. And so today, as Psalm 77 washes over us, Lord, would we get a glimpse to understand you more? Would we catch a glimpse of understanding ourselves more? But would we be comforted by you today, we ask in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Cool, Psalm 77. To the leader, according to Jejuthin... Of Asaph a psalm. So Jeduthun and Asaph were called to be Levite worshipers. Um, they played cymbals. They played uh, the lyre. They played a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, and Jeduthun was actually the seer for King David. And so uh, together they would worship and obviously seeking the Lord for um, prophetic songs. Uh, and together they wrote, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, that he may hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. I think of God and I moan or I was troubled. I meditate and my spirit faints. You keep my eyelids from closing. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old and remember the years of long ago. I commune with my heart in the night. I meditate and I search my spirit. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love ceased forever? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? How often have we prayed those prayers or thought those thoughts? And I say it is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have displayed your might among the people with your strong arm. You redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. The very deep trembled, the clouds poured out water, the skies thundered, your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the mighty waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So what we see from the psalm firstly is that the children of God may undergo great spiritual trouble. The children of God may go through great spiritual troubling, this internal anxiety or angst. And so this psalm describes the condition of a child of God. I mean, these are the worship leaders. These are the guys who are supposed to have it all together, hey, Adie? The worship leaders. You're supposed to have it together. And he writes of this deep spiritual anguish or angst. Do we ever find ourselves in that place or are we so Christian that we're not supposed to enter into these places of depression, spiritual depression or spiritual angst or anguish? I cry aloud to God, he says, aloud to God that he may hear me. He says, I think of God and I was troubled. Isn't God supposed to be the answer? But he thinks of God and he's troubled. You keep my eyelids from closing. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old and remember the years of long ago, just thinking of all the trouble he's been through. Now there just seems to be no solution, no out in any of this. And so if you've been walking with Jesus for any amount of time, I think you'll you'll realize that the Christian experience is variable, yes? Some days we're just passionate, the Lord has filled us, we want to take over the world. The next we're wondering if God's even there. Some months we're up, some months we're down. Some days we're up, some hours. Sometimes we're like four seasons in one day. Up and down in one single day. God's the best, and then where is he? And so the the Christian walk is a variable one. If you've ever read uh, The Pilgrim's Progress, you'll see this journey that every Christian takes. And it's a journey that we're on as we walk with the Lord. Sometimes on spiritual highs, other times on spiritual lows. And the child of God may, may go through these real trials and real spiritual struggles. And I don't know, maybe, maybe the prosperity gospel has been taught too loudly and we think that we can't experience these things and everything's supposed to just be sunshine and no winters. But as we look at the great old saints, they talk about these winters of the soul and these deep depressions that they've entered into. And we look at their life stories and we're like, oh, I want to have an impact like this person, but maybe not that side. Eh? We want We want the impact. We don't see them on their knees before God crying out, God, are you even real anymore? And so what the psalmist is saying is that this stuff is real, that there's, there's genuine spiritual angst and trouble that children of God can go through. And I think that, that trouble comes in various forms. It comes obviously spiritual, but also physical and emotional as we've been going through the EHS series. That this stuff contributes to trouble and angst in our lives. Uh, There's spiritual temptation or sin, as we read from James. He says, Blessed is anyone who endures temptation. What does endure mean? That it's not going to be a walk in the park. Maybe Jurassic Park, but not a walk in the park. We've got to endure. It means it's going to be hard graft. Such a one who endures temptation has stood the test and will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Those who love him can go through these trials. No one when tempted should say, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But one is tempted when one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it, then, when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And that sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved. And so we see that all of us face daily trials of temptation. And sometimes that temptation gets into a place of sin, and as Christians, we're either going to deny the fact that we ever sin, and what, is, what do we read in the scriptures? You're a liar. But sometimes as we enter into those places of sin, it actually draws us into this place of depression and ang- anguish before the Lord, which is good. It should do that. If as Christians, we're just continuing in sin and not feeling this, something's not right with my relationship with the Lord, there's a big problem with that. The worst thing that could ever happen to us as Christians is for God to take his hands off of us and leave us to our own sin. There is no hope. But as God and his spirit continually draws us and we find ourselves either through temptation or sin in anguish with God, that's actually a good thing. It means that God is at work in us. It means that the Holy Spirit is drawing us and convicting us. And we can think that this temptation and sin decreases over time, but you can speak to people who've walked long with the Lord. Does this temptation increase or decrease? Gets harder, right? Gets harder. And all the young guys are going, give us hope. (laughs) But are we going to be those who just give up, who just throw in the towel? Or are we going to be those who through this anguish, through these trials, consider it pure joy that God still has us, that God is drawing us nearer to him, that all these trials, all these temptations the purpose of them is to draw us back to God because it's our own lurings and enticings and our own desires that cause us to move away from God. But God doesn't want to let us go. And so there's spiritual temptations and sin which can force us and cause us to walk into that angst. But there's also spiritual wrestling that's not necessarily temptation, not necessarily sin, but actually just God trying to get your attention. Have you ever had that? Everything seems right and right as rain. Everything seems dandy. Everything's going well. And all of a sudden, there's this anguish upon you. Have you ever had that? And you can't quite put your finger on it. You think back, I haven't done anything wrong. I don't think I've separated from the Lord. I haven't said anything bad to my wife this week. Sure, things must be going good. But yet there's this anguish on you. And actually, you know what it is? It's the Lord trying to get your attention. The Lord loves to talk to his people. And there have been times when when it'll happen with me, everything's going fine, and all of a sudden there's this anguish upon me. And I'm trying to figure it out. I'll talk to Gregan about it. And she's like, no, we're good. So it's not us, okay? What's going on? And just over a week of real anguish and seeking the Lord suddenly, either a prayer that I've needed to pray for somebody or a word that God's wanting to share with somebody or even just God wanting us to pray about something, and all of a sudden lifts again. And it's the Lord just wanting to draw us nearer to him. But our problem is that in this society, we're not good with discomfort, right? The moment there's anything anguishing in our lives, what do we do? We go find something to numb it down. Go play a golf just to get out there and just free our minds a little bit. But actually, what if God is wanting us to draw into Him? What if God is wanting to draw us closer to Him? What if He's wanting His children to come back to the Father and to find out what He has to say to us? Often when you're preaching, there's this anguish upon you that God is wanting to share something. And only when you get that sense of what he's wanting to say, it kind of releases. Then comes the hard work of actually having to prep. And so it's a good thing. These things can be good for us. We don't have to try and run away from them. What we do need to do is try to run toward God. And physical and emotional abuse. We heard of some of it this morning already. That stuff takes us, can put anguish in our lives. Yes, it can trouble our spirits things from the past which need to be dealt with, illness, death of a loved one. These things are not just willy-nilly, oh, everything's supposed to be joyful and we're all supposed to be fine. These things are supposed to hurt. But God is the one who wants to be the comfort to us. And of course, he's also placed us in this beautiful family who God wants to use to bring that comfort, right? We're his body, and so his body must come and do the comforting, But ultimately, at the end of it, it really is God who does the comforting. We need to not mistake all these great courses, all the great leaders, all the great pastors within this church. We mustn't mistake them for being the great comforter. They're the ones who take us lovingly to the comforter when we're in this place of anguish and I don't really want to speak to the Lord. Now, is he even real? Has he forgotten me? Has he removed his mercy from me? And then we have great friends who love us and come around us and draw us and say, come with me. Let us go to the great comforter. Let me pray with you. Let me seek God on your behalf. I experienced that this week. There's someone I know who was just really in anguish and they had been seeking the Lord but just really couldn't find, just couldn't get what it was. Went to go hang out with a friend. And within half an hour, an hour, that friend just saying, let me pray with you, seeking the Lord. Suddenly that peace came upon them. The comfort was from the Lord but through the vessel of this beautiful family liberty. And that's God's intention for us as a family. We're not all on our own little islands trying to grow spiritually. We're in this thing together to move forward towards the great comforter. And there was a word this morning, also at prayer meeting, just around the sense that we should never lose our first love. And that can happen as we grow and as the Lord begins to add people, we start getting clever with all our courses and start getting clever with all our structural changes, that we actually lose the first love of Jesus because our trust becomes in all these other things that we've put in a scaffolding, which is supposed to help us grow toward him, but ends up becoming our focus. And so as we are moving forward, the responsibility is all of ours as a body to ensure that we keep Jesus at the very center of all that we do. The love of Christ would continue to operate in us and through us as a community. We don't get all glitzy. We don't get all polished. Become a people who stay at the foot of the cross with the dust of Jesus upon us. Let's ensure that we stay a community that loves one another and comforts one another by taking one another to the great comforter. Your inability to bear children, is that a, taking you to a place of anguish? It's a real thing. It's not to be just neglected or just looked over glibly. These things are real. The pain is real. Oppression and injustice, material or financial lack, these things are tough, emotionally and physically. And then violence or trauma. I think what's been great about the EHS series is that it's making us take these things seriously, Right? To look at them and going, are these things holding us back? Are these things little hooks in our spiritual growth? And to give them the attention that they require. Because these trials can suck the joy out of you, yes? Don't you want to be that happy Christian, that one that's just always happy? Basically a surfer, basically. <laughs> you know, that's a temperament. It's the way that the Lord has created people. And so we love the surfers because they're always joyful. But it certainly is a temperament that the Lord has created. Some of us, it's harder to find joy. It's just the way we are designed. It's not better or worse. But that joy can so easily be taken away from us by the challenges and the heartache of life. And it's difficult to express joy that we're supposed to be a joyful people. It's difficult to express joy to a world who looks at us and goes, I don't want to be a part of that. You guys just never smile. Always so serious, always so many rules, always so many regulations. And I wonder if it's not because we've forgotten to take people to the Father like children. We've made this walk of ours so complicated. We actually, with all of life that happens, all Jesus is saying is, come to me. Come to me, come to be with me. Let me stay at the very center of your first love. And so as we process these things, yes, they're difficult. Yes, they're hard. Yes, they may take years for some of us. They may take a lifetime to work through. Some of us in an instant, yes? Remember for some of you, the day you got saved, the day you first met Jesus, and there was stuff in your life, and just like that, he took that thing out of your life. But then there's other things in your life. You're like, Lord, couldn't you have taken that as well? But it's a daily struggle. And who knows? It may only perfectly disappear when the Lord returns. May it not, but perhaps it will. And that's a struggle and a temptation that the Lord has determined sovereignly to leave with you. To draw you back to Him. That's why James can say, count these things as pure joy. Because the Lord has left some things in our lives that constantly keep Him at the center. If everything was dandy, everything was perfect, everything was well supplied, guess what? We wouldn't need God. That's why there's that portion of scripture which says, Lord, give me enough so that I don't steal and profane your name, but don't give me so much that I forget who you are. There's a balance, a happy middle ground which God wants us to live in. There's a scripture that says, those who have much give to those who have little so that those who have little don't have too little and those who have much don't have too much. God is calling for a space where we all together are comforting one another as he by his sovereign hand has made supply to us, but that we all may be comforted. And so for those who haven't been through great struggles, Michelle can come alongside those who've been through greater struggles and can help comfort them by bringing them to the great comforter. And then a Jen who's now been through that can then take somebody else to comfort them as the body of Christ and take them closer to Jesus, the great comforter. It's a beautiful picture when it's operating right, yes? It's a beautiful picture, and it's God's intention for this body liberty. May we not lose it. Spurgeon says, don't therefore conclude that you are no child of God because the joys you once had are gone. I am delighted when I have been with young Christians or surfers full of their first joy, and I earnestly pray that it will be very long before those joys are dampened, but at the same time, it may be prudent to let them know that should those joys depart, it will be no evidence whatever that God's love is departed to. We must always beware of living by feeling. It is pleasant in summer, but it is an ill way of living in the winter of the soul. We walk by faith, not by sight, nor yet by feeling, for we remember that our feelings are often of a very mixed character." And what we think to be holy joy, maybe some of it, I love the terminology, animal excitement, may not be altogether that joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Don't, don't, I beseech you, base your evidence of the possession of salvation upon your joy. Because if you do, you will be in sad trouble when your joy varies or flowers. Build your hope on something better than unsubstantial delights, namely on the finished work of faith, such as the poor publican had, still crying, even in your best frames, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. For between here and the gates of heaven, you will have to go by a weeping cross, perhaps many times. And if the Lord loves you more than others, you will have more trials than others. Strange trials shall come to you. Therefore, regard it not as though some strange thing has happened to you. Some of the best of God's people may pass through the deepest trouble. How's that for prosperity gospel? And so your trials are unique to you. They're not a curse. They're unique to you. And certainly it is possible and desirable to experience this inexpressible joy through these trials. That is God's intention for us. But that joy only truly comes when we have him at the center of our thoughts through these trials. And this is not a perfect science, right? We have ups, we have downs, The summers and winters of the soul will continue until the Lord returns and we are made new, indestructible again. It's going to be wonderful. I look forward to that time. But until then, as he says, we're going to go past, weeping past the cross many times in this life. And so what is our approach to these trials as Christians? How, how do we conduct ourselves? And the Christian response is honest assessment and continual gazing at Jesus. That's our response. We will continue to have trials, but our response as Christians, which is different to the world, is to have honest assessment and to continue to gaze at Jesus. This is not a simplistic reciting of dead words. I'm not saying we just waltz through this thing and simple. We just chant some few chants here and everything will be okay. That's not what I'm saying. But the Christian refuses to be comforted by trite platitudes. You know what platitudes are? They're just like, don't worry, everything will be all right. Jesus will come and make it new. Completely missing where that person's at, but just saying something in a, this must comfort, make this thing go away. That's a trite platitude. What we want is to find out what Jesus is saying to Sam and to reach his heart and to share that truth because he's the comforter, not our clever little memory verses from Kids Church, which are awesome, by the way. <laughs> Jesus is the answer to everything. Ask any kid. Because the psalmist says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God that he may hear me. Oh, Don't worry, everything, everything will be fine. You'll eventually get over this. Does no one a good service. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without getting tired. He's just so desperate for God. My soul refuses to be comforted. He is not content with just a simple solution to the trouble that he's going through. He's really and truly feeling this anguish. And so the Christian response is not, is to refuse to be comforted. By simple words the christian wants the true comfort that comes from god the christian is diligent to fully process his feelings and his thoughts to fully process them and not to cut himself short because the lord is doing something he's allowing us to go through something remember he doesn't test he doesn't bring those trials but he allows us to go through them wanting us to come through the other end mature because he says, I consider the days of old and I remember the years of long ago. I commune with my heart in the night. Have you communed with your heart in the night? When you're going through this anguish, do you just take a sleeping tablet so you can wake up in the morning and hope it's all gone away? Or do we welcome lying awake at night in bed going, I've got to figure this thing out before the Lord. What am I feeling and why am I feeling it? Or has that lie colored our lives that we're supposed to just be joyful and we shouldn't have these trials? What if God's saying, no, embrace them. Come to me with them. Come and be diligent with them. Commune with your heart in the night. Meditate and search your spirit. Hello, Matthew. Don't be like that with the Lord. We just waltz through. We don't care what's going on. We just go to the Lord. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? This guy's trying to seek the Lord, but he's like, God has miffed with me. I don't know what's going on. He's just abandoned me. But he communes. He's trying to figure this thing out. He doesn't just go, God's forgotten me. Has his mercy left me? I'm just going to carry on with life. He's like, no. What is going on in my heart? What is going on here? And taking that to God. A semi-processed trial or a semi-processed unsettling in us will not achieve its end, which is your maturing and blessing. That's what God intends for it. That's the purpose of a trial, is to get us to that place of maturity. But if we just glibly ask why and then move on, we won't allow that trial, we won't allow that anguish to actually do a full work in us. And so, Christian, part of your responsibility is to take trials, to take that anguish that enters your life, and take that before God honorably and fully. And that may mean taking a friend with you. It may mean you just find yourself in a place where your thoughts, just, you just cannot put them together. And so you need someone from the body to come with you to take you to the comforter. If we cover up that anguish with compromise, Netflix, we're not going to fully feel and experience what God is trying to do in our lives. And Netflix, you might be like, yes, those Netflix people. There's something that you use. There's something that I use to quench that anguish. Because I don't like the anguish. Anyone here like anguish? Some psychos, anyone here? No, I didn't think so. We don't like it. But we can't lose the reward that comes from it. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to stay immature Christians. Always wondering, always complaining, why is life so hard? It is hard. But God is wanting to draw us in toward him to mature and to grow and not cut ourselves short. But to engage with the great comforter. There is no manual, right, to deal with grief. Grief. There's no manual. So someone may get over grief in an hour. Others might take 10 years. There's no manual to this thing. But there is a promise that if we diligently return to the great comforter with that anguish, he will comfort us. Whether it's tomorrow, whether it's in a year, whether it's in 10 years, his promise will be to comfort us. And one day, That comfort will be permanent. No more tears, no more anguish, no more hurt, no more pain. We look forward to that day, right? The more I read the news, I'm just like, Jesus, just, I don't mind if you wrap this thing up now. Really. But it's in the scriptures. As the days come to an end, the world's going to get more evil. It's going to get more perverse. It's going to get more messed up. But the great comforter will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And his call is for us to go to him, to lift those drooping arms. At times you just like this walk, Lord. I'm just done. He wants to lift your arms. He wants to strengthen your legs. I know we just wanted to go away, and it will one day. but right now, he has surrounded you, He surrounded me with people who want to help lift our arms. He Himself, who will make us soar with the eagles, He's not leaving us until His return. His Holy Spirit is with us, the Great Comforter. If we see that every trial or testing will move us either onto maturity or, or backwards to immaturity, I'm hoping that that will make us take these trials seriously before the Lord, and not just up in arms and go, "Why is life so hard?" But to trust that God has something good for us. I know it's hard to comprehend when you go through a real trauma. But God did not cause it. Let's just make sure we understand that. But he is saying, I want to help you in it and through it. And we've all been through stuff, whatever that stuff is. And the beauty of our trials is that we can't compare them to anybody else. Yeah, but that person struggling with that, I'm okay. That's irrelevant. Jesus is saying, you follow me. The trials I'm allowing you through are for your growth and for your maturity. That person doesn't have your struggles. They don't struggle with that same thing that you struggle with. And you don't struggle with the same thing that they struggle with. But God has a particular call and trials ahead for you and for me, which if we'll embrace them fully and take them before him and do it together as community, will move us on to maturity. That we may grow And become those who take this gospel message to a hurting, hurting, hurting world that has no comfort, has no permanent comfort. And that is our call that we may say with James, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, nothing but joy. I'm not there yet. Because you know that the testing of your faith, what does it do? It produces endurance. And let that endurance have its full effect. Let's not cut these trials short. Let's let them have their full effect so that we may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. These trials can either be incredibly difficult parts of our life that we get to the end and just go, Jesus, thank you for for ending this. Or we can have Jesus redeem them in our lives and say, God, that thing really sucked. And I wish it didn't happen to me. But thank you for redeeming it and making me a more mature and more Christ-like person. It's the choice we have. Will we grow on in maturity? When that truth finally sinks in and that pain has adequately been felt by us and we've processed that anguish sufficiently, then verse 10, that redeeming verse finally in the psalm, he says... It is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. He's changed that grief. He's changed that anguish. He's changed that trial that we've been through. It's no longer this thing that's causing us just to, God, where are you? But he's now changed it to, I will now call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and I'll muse on your mighty deeds. He's not saying just ignore all the pain and just look at the Lord. He's like, take that stuff to him until his mighty hand turns that grief. Otherwise, that thing's still going to be there. It's still going to haunt us years down the line. And the Spirit's wanting to do a deep work in us, yes? I think that's what we've grasped from the last few months. that God really wants to do deep work in us for our good. He doesn't look from heaven and laugh every time we go through trials. He's not sick like that. He pains with us. He's able to feel the pain with us. And how different from a world that aims to numb all of its pain and has no hope really. We have a hope. We have one who will go through these pains with us. And so our chief purpose is not to have our own little worlds all orderly and neat while we love that and all pain free. That's not our purpose. You know what our purpose is? All things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purposes. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of his son. That's our purpose. Not to live comfortable lives is to be transformed into the image of Jesus, away from Adam into Jesus, the perfectly obedient son of God, in order that he might be the firstborn, that he'll get the glory within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. God has a purpose and a plan for you and me to become like Jesus. You know what that means? One heck of a lot of change. Look in the mirror every morning, I'm like, that does not look like Jesus. So Jesus wasn't great, eh? Hey? No, 33, no, probably still would have been good. But when I look in the mirror, there's a lot that still needs to change in here. And I know some of us love change, some of us don't really like change. There's one thing that's inevitable, and that is change. The question is, are we going to change more into the image of Jesus or are we just going to change? Those who press into Jesus for comfort, not giving up, not letting their eyes rest until he has spoken life into your grief. That's what we're after. The hand of the mighty one changing that grief. Not us ignoring it, not wiping it away. Him coming to change it. If we will press into him. We will have our souls comforted and our gaze lifted once again. Have you ever tried to lift your gaze when you haven't really dealt with that anguish or that grief properly? Don't you feel inauthentic? You feel like, I should be joyful, I should. And so you put on a smile. But you know, deep inside, nothing's actually changed. And so if we're going to be an authentic people, and the world is looking for authentic people... We've got to be real with this stuff before the the great comforter. And to go to him honestly and say, God, I haven't dealt with this grief. You haven't dealt with this grief. I can't change it. I need your mighty hand to change it. And to not let go of him until we can say, verse 10, that he has changed my grief. And not only then will our lips say, But our hearts will echo, your way, O God, is holy. What God is so great as our God. From God have you forsaken me as your mercy left me to what God is so great as our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have displayed your might among the people. With your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. The very deep trembled. The clouds poured out water, the skies thundered, the arrows flashed on every side, the crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind, your lightnings lit up the world, the earth trembled and shook, your way was through the sea, your path through the mighty waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And so the saints around you are a great gift from God. And when we find ourselves in that place of anguish and we just can't find our way to the foot of the cross, that they come around us and take us to the great comforter. But they're taking you to the great comforter. So if you go to anybody for comfort, just let them know you're coming to them because you want to get to the comforter. You don't just want to be tritely comforted. You want the comforter to come and change your grief. And that is our job as saints, is to walk alongside one another, to take us to our first love. And so our approach is verse one, is to cry aloud to God. We pray. We're praying people through our grief. Yes? We come to speak to God. We're honest with where we're at. We commune with my heart in the night and I meditate and I search my spirit. We're honest with God. Oh, Lord, everything's fine. I'm a Christian. Everything will be okay. No, we take our hearts and God, what's going on in you? We then meditate upon his word. I will meditate on all your works and I will muse on your mighty deeds. The beauty of the scriptures is that they're unchanging before our eyes. So when we're all in a low place, we can still look upon his mighty deeds, the unchanging word of God. Because God's deliverance is truly divine. It really is. Explain to me how you can go through trauma and God can turn and change that grief into something positive it's divine that's why we can say we can hear the words of jesus say peace i leave with you my peace i give to you i do not give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid he's talking about giving his holy spirit to his people that that true peace and that true comfort comes from god himself in the form of the holy spirit and that's what we seek that's what we seek That's what the psalmist in Psalm 77 seeks, is for that grief to be changed, that he may look to God and see him again for the great and wondrous works which he has done. And so where are you today? Where are you today? Are you still in that deep, dark pit of despair? Can you echo those words of Spurgeon and say, God has not left you, but he is with you. You feel like those mighty waters are crushing over you. You know what the beautiful thing is? God is the one who breaks through those mighty waters by his word, just speaks it, and those mighty waters open. He changes that grief. Perhaps you're at that point of saying, it is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. Perhaps you're at that space where he's beginning to change it. Can I ask you to continue to pursue Jesus? Don't give in now. Continue with the Comforter. Has He already taken you through a trial and a grief and a loss, and perhaps those words of praise and adoration are on your lips? Why don't you take those words of praise and adoration and go be a comfort to someone who is still deep in the waves that are crushing them? And not glibly, not tritely, but with a true conviction that God has changed your grief and that the praise on your lips can be authentic and real, that you may encourage them to persevere to the cross. However, as saints, we must remember that there are those whose hearts are troubled because they are separated from Jesus. There will be no comfort for them ever until they lay their lives down for Jesus. You can try to give them words of comfort. You can try to pat them on the back. You can try to tell them everything's going to be okay, but that peace, will never leave that peace will never come to them until they've laid their lives down before Jesus. And I think this is what the Lord is doing as he's doing in us as a community, changing that grief that's inside of us, wanting to move us into a place of emotional and spiritual health is to make us a people who can take that to a world that is certainly not at peace. Just watch any news report, this world is not at peace. And yet this is called the gospel of peace. This gospel of Jesus, the prince of peace. And God's call is for us to not short-circuit those trials that we go through, but then to move into a place where we can take this gospel message into a world that needs it. Are we committing ourselves to that? Are we happy to just coast through? I don't think so. As I look around the room and know most of you, I know that your hearts are sincere for the Lord and that He truly is your comforter, that you've endured eight weeks of EHS and an additional eight weeks of Psalms Because your desire is to see an internal work done in you. Sharon shared a word yesterday saying that she does feel like the Lord is moving us from that place of strength. Wanting to see us move the gospel into people's lives beyond just ourselves. And it's a great privilege. It really is a great privilege. To know that God has saved us and rescued us and then wants to continue that work into the rest of the Helderberg, into the rest of your family, into into the marketplace, your colleagues? Can we as a people be great comforters to one another but then take that message out into the world to try to comfort a world that needs a great comforter? And so I trust that God has comforted you today in that he hasn't left you nor forsaken you. The fact that you're here, the fact that there's an internal angst in you, the fact that maybe he's taken you through some grief. But we get to worship him now you'll join me ad we get to worship him now from a place of either he has rescued us and those words are upon our lips or we're still in that deep dark place but we're going to turn to him with that pain can we do that we're going to turn to him saying god i don't feel like you have changed this grief i don't feel like i feel like i'm still struggling with it and maybe he won't fix it right now maybe he will i don't know he's god But what we can do is pray for one another. Intercede for one another. That God would do a mighty work. Some of us have been through incredibly traumatic stuff and have come out of the other side being able to praise God with true authenticity. And there's still many of us who still need to go through those traumatic experiences and are going to be going through those traumatic experiences. Let's pray for one another, but also be an encouragement to one another, that this body may be a body of comfort to one another. Let's stand together. Let's turn our eyes to the great comforter. Whatever he has spoken to you, forget what I've said, whatever he has spoken to your heart, whatever he has put in your mind, that's what you need to walk away with today. Let's sing that before him as we sing to him. Let's consider it. Let's meditate upon it. Let's look into our hearts. Let's look into our spirits that he may do a continued work in us. King Jesus, we look to you now the great comforter. Lord, there is much going on in this world that can cause us much pain, can cause us much trauma, has already. For many of us, you have already turned that grief into something of a blessing. As absurd as that sounds, for many of us, we're still going through that pain and anguish. And God, we ask on their behalf that you would turn that pain, you would turn that grief, the mighty hand of the Holy One, change their grief. Lord, you're forming us into the image of Jesus, who was a man acquainted with grief, he knew about this pain, he knew about this suffering. So you're not oblivious to this, Lord. Lord, but you want us to go to the same comforter that you went to, God our Father. So as we lift our voices now, would your Holy Spirit continue to do a work in our hearts? Some of us are just at a place, just want to praise you for the mighty work that you've done. Some of us are on the brink of having you say, you have changed my grief. And some of, uh, some of us are still just in that deep, deep water. We're coming to you the great comforter, to ask you to comfort us all.